0: Praise the Lord. But we really appreciate every one of you being here. Uh, This is a very interesting time we're living in in the world because this COVID-19 has truly changed the the, the face of the earth. The whole world is different and everything we do is different. And so I thought I'll share very briefly with you about the task of a leader in a fast-changing world. What is your task as a leader? And I want to use Romans chapter 12, which was so uh, exclusively and in a very powerful way shared by Reverend Chris Matebula and as well, uh, Dr. Elijah maswanganye Romans chapter 12, let's start, uh, go verse four. Romans 12, and I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now note, in his grace, God has given us different gifts For doing certain things well. That's the NLT. I love it. New Living Translation. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So in the area of your gifting, you will excel. If you operate in your area of gifting, you will do things well. If you go outside of the area of your gifting, you're going to have very big problems. Let's continue. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. Now here's the part that Reverend Matabula read and I love it in this translation. It says, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Take the responsibility seriously. One of the major problems we have in the world today is that leaders do not take the responsibility of leadership seriously. Being a leader is a very serious thing. Because, as you know, the famous statement here, John Maxwell, everything rises and falls on leadership. I mean, I was listening at the Zondo Commission today without going into many details. If you were listening to a little bit of the Zondo Commission, whoever came before the commission, when they were asked about their awareness of when millions were spent, when certain processes were thwarted and they were not followed, and a simple question was, what did you do? and the answers that are given, you know, and I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you become a leader at that level and give this kind of an answer? Does this person really understand how seriously they need to take their task? Leadership is not a position. It's not a personal cult. Leadership is not a status symbol. Leadership is taking responsibility. So, in a world where we see today leadership is, if you were to Google the word leadership, did you know it, was, it will generate about 799 billion results on Google? But if there are so many definitions of leadership, why do we need to define it? Well, that's because it's simply, simply this. Because today's world is different. And that's the big thing that makes leadership so critical. The world continues to change. And as the world changes, leadership must rise to the challenge. I mean, we have to learn to do church differently now. And if you don't lead at this time of lockdown, you're going to lose what you've got. So it's important. Because in our world, we have words like disruption, that's part of what leaders must deal with. Innovation. We have all kinds of things that are there. We have multi-generations. We talk about millennials today. Huh? And you have to lead people who are baby boomers, born free millennials, and lead all of them together. You lead people who don't know anything about the internet to those who are specialists at it. And leadership must be able to do that. Business leaders as well, they are required to answer responsible questions about their organizations in this world. Kimona, the business has slumped around the world. It was intriguing me the other day when I was thinking, even in the slump, there are people who are making a kill (laughs) money-wise. There are people who are experiencing a boom in the area of business. Even in a time when everybody is complaining, politicians are facing tough questions for their constituencies. They're being asked about their use of power. So the fast changing world is a given. The fact that we are living in a world of digitization, innovation, also we've become a a global village, globalization. People are thinking on a global level, not just at a micro level. They're thinking on a macro level. So when you try to lead people and when you try to do things, they are thinking way beyond where you are as a leader. So the future as a result is always ahead of us and is unrecognizable. It's so different from what we know today. I mean, just a few months ago, we didn't think we would have been having church like this. And thank God for Facebook. Facebook every day. We've just had to. So, you know, change, you can either do it by preparing yourself or you can be forced into a corner to change and press the wrong button when you're supposed to. For that reason, it's important for us not only to develop leaders, but to purposefully find a way we can grow in our leadership, if you would, evolve, so that our evolution and our growth is crucial for helping us to stay in leadership and have impact in this fast changing world. It's important, therefore, for us as leaders to develop new qualities accordingly. Because the reality is that the world will always require leadership. That's why Paul says, if you are a leader, give diligence to it, take the responsibility seriously. So, here are the few things I want to talk about. You say, Okay, what am I observing? What are the things that we need to deal with in this fast-changing world? Well, the current world we are leading people needs the following things. The first thing that the world is uh, uh, telling us in this fast-changing world that people are looking for is first of all, the challenge of authenticity and credibility. We're living in a world that is asking the credibility question, the authenticity question. Why? Because our world has been lied to They've been taken for a ride and the people we are leading are cynical. I don't know if you are aware. People are not sure. Lao chon to seriously, they don't really, they're not really sure. So the only currency that will authenticate our leadership and give us weight to be able to influence our world is that we are authentic. People are not looking for perfection. They're not looking for who you must go 10 out of 10. But the people are asking, are you who you say you are? I mean here we are, we are singing in a country now, but Profitaki. Oh, Yahweh kibueta wa eo, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then and then you 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 begin to ask yourself lots of questions. And here's the sad thing: it's not just about them, it's this, the the same way they are looked at. That's how you are looked at as well. So we become guilty by association. So we are all lumped in the same thing. And so even when people come and you lead them, they still have struggled with that thing, are you an authentic leader? So our world is looking for credibility and authenticity because people come from homes where they were never told the truth. There are people who only find out when they're already old, my mother is not really my real mother. My father, you find it out, you are already in your 30s. Kona there's young people whom the teacher, by hina hina I don't know how to say it in English. Those of you at the school, they hina hina with them at, at the school. So there's, there's all these kinds of questions. So we will always be asked the authenticity question. Very often I find young leaders struggling with the fact that it looks like people are not following my leadership. And the question that I, the answer I give them often is that there is, there's no question about your leadership ability. But you have to earn the right to be trusted. You've got to lead long enough for people to be able to trust you. As John Maxwell explains, you know, the process through which people respond to our leadership. The first process is people respond to us because we were chosen to be a leader. Okay? When they came, we were a leader. Either we were chosen, we were imposed, we were hired... So, you know, that's how it comes. It just comes like that. But then, the, then they, after a while, they gravitate to the second level. This is where they respond to you based on your performance. And for the most part, they are looking at your credibility. This is where they gravitate to a level where they don't respond to you based on your position, but they respond to you based on your credibility. So, when they reach that level, they give you the permission to lead them. They are not only being led by you because you are chosen or hired. No, they are saying, you have earned the right to lead me. I'm permitting you to lead me because I see you are an authentic question. Just ask your neighbor, why are you so quiet? Are you not authentic or don't you have credibility? What is the matter with you? You know, yeah. Is it hot in here? Or is it what I'm preaching? It's hot, uh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, I don't know what we can do. It's Maybe you should try to open some. Yeah, it's very hot. It's quite hot, yeah. I know the preaching is hot, but I think the temperature here is quite hot too. So, yeah. Maybe they will tell us the, the video guys which doors to open. Yeah, maybe this one and that one. Is that okay? Can you open that one? Okay, so can you open that? Go and find out. The second thing is that people are now Asking leadership a question if our leadership is value-based leadership. In other words, people are no longer interested in the outcome, but they want to know how did you get what you got? If you say you made so many millions, how did you do it? Did you do it through cheap labor? Did you scam people? If you sell a product, you say this is a product, yeah, so and so, they want to know if this thing this product, was it genetically modified? Did you spray it with things that are not allowed? And people are asking that value-based leadership question. In other words, in business, it's no longer just about the profit margin. The profit margin. People are saying, you know, like some of the audit companies that were found out where they're colluding, or some of the companies here, when it comes to bread or flour, they're all colluding. So they're making money because they have all agreed to fix the prices. Am I talking to dead people here or what? Are you all alive? Yeah, I know you're wearing masks, but I must just make me believe that you're alive here. Okay, yeah. So, people, people are asking that question because we're finding out all the time that even some of the companies that we used to celebrate, they really haven't done well. I mean, you know about the collusion here, yeah, some of the big chain stores and the big supermarkets. And some of these big companies that agreed to fix prices. So they, they squeezed out the smaller players and they were able to get all the money. In church, people are looking at us and it's not just about us having a mega church or about us prophesying. You know, the people are not just going to take that. They're going to want to know something. In politics, it's not just about winning votes. People are asking serious questions. So our world is looking for leadership that is value-based. It's not just about getting results. The big question is, how did we get those results? In, if, the, if the church grew that I'm leading, did I steal members from somebody? Or am I prophesying to be able to fill my church? And those are very important questions that people are asking value-based leadership. Are you there, Buzalana? The third thing that we need to deal with in this fast-changing world is about being adaptable. Being adaptable. In the words of Jesus, we need to pour new wine into new wine skins. Our world is not static. Now, the message we preach forever remains the same. The core of the gospel must never be tempered with. We shouldn't sanitize or dilute what we are preaching. It must always be the raw gospel as it is. However, in our approach in delivering that gospel... There are many, many times when we need to be adaptable. And if we are not adaptable, we will never be able to remain impactful in this changing world. You know, I've spoken to a few leaders uh, during this time. And and one of the major things that I think many churches are going to have to deal with, which is a huge challenge, is to get people to come back to church you know to get people to come back that's it's not it's not, you know it's it, it's it's not it's not as easy as you think why because in the process people have been scared about you know in the church that's where the virus is and we know it's not true we know it's not true but also about all the processes of registering being screened at the gate some of you i saw you at the gate when you're being screened now i'm teasing i didn't see you but you know but although, but having to arrange things i mean this is quite I mean, look at this, look at this big auditorium and look at the people who are here. We have to be creative. Are you understanding what I'm saying? All these things, the praise and worship. I I remember the first week when we opened to have services, people sat there like they were corpses. Because any new thing, any change, destabilizes people. I mean, it was like when they're wearing a mask, they can't say amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It was like when there's social distancing, they can't lift their hands to God or anything. So you have to keep teaching people all the time. There's no conviction. They're just doing it. So we are going to have to learn all the time to be adaptable because we need to learn to have new wine. It's not just the new wine. It's also about the wine skin. One of the big problems that makes churches to stagnate is when leaders are unable to allow God to stretch them beyond what they are familiar with. It's even worse as you get older, as you are longer in the ministry because you've done that, you've been there, you've got the t-shirt, you got the certificate. But the world keeps changing. So if you're not adaptable, it's going to be a very, very big problem. I think uh, Bishop Chalo is here. I think uh, I'm going to end with this one. The fourth thing is that being effective whilst leading in uncertainty, but remaining effective and being prepared for the unexpected. I mean, just in the last few years, we've gone through so many things. There was that time when there was a sudden economic meltdown where their shares fell in the stock market. I mean, people who were millionaires and billionaires, they lost everything in a single day. The picture that still stands out in my mind is about that man who went to the top of the building and and actually threw himself down and committed suicide because he had lost everything. Just in the last few months, how do you stay afloat when crisis hits? Coronavirus. we had to stop not going to church the offering you know those things I mean really there's nobody there so I'm gonna there's new things desanitize it say. no idea sanitizer but you know what I'm trying to say but how, how do you how do you stay afloat when crisis hits? One of the things that this time lockdown has shown me is that crisis doesn't make things worse. Crisis only exaggerates what has been dysfunctional. If you were disorganized before crisis hits, when crisis hits, crisis will accentuate your disorganization. In our church, I've seen things that have been working well, even during crisis, they worked well. But things that were not working well, we couldn't fix during crisis. So, don't be surprised when people steal the money of PPEs. Because it was allocated for people with COVID-19. If they are used to being corrupt and bachachelete before lockdown and before COVID-19, COVID-19 is gonna, not going to make them to be ethical people. And that's what you've got to understand. Crisis does not add to your problems. It just magnifies and accentuates who you are. So it's important. You realize sometimes competition comes. I know we don't want to say that in church. I know we don't compete, but there can be a ministry that can open down the road where everybody runs to it. (laughs) And in my life as a pastor over 37 years, that has happened a couple of times in our church. In fact, the one, you're not in the go because these people were starting to, they were resuscitating this church, so they were having uh, crusades. So I stood on the pulpit to encourage our people to go and support the Basalwanakwali. Yeah. So our people went because I went. And then I went, Linda, to go and support. As I was sitting there, this pastor got up to preach and he was talking about me. I mean, Sobala. Yeah. No, there was no, no hiding. No, it was clear, I mean, he, he really took me on. I'm sitting there, really. And then they, they, then they had a time of testimonies, and our members <laughs> came forward. One of them, oh, I never forget that day. Yes, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm sitting there thinking And you can't blame them because We lost quite a number of people in our church That era Yeah, we did Lost them They went to the church What are you going to do? Are you going to get on the pulpit and start hitting everybody? What are you going to do? Follow them up Hit them, what are you going to do? Yeah. So how do you stay afloat in times like that? In terms of competition, because there will always be a church that comes that's younger than you. And our, we lead a generation that's obsessed with new. There are people who are unethical. They're going to open a church just down the road next to you. They'll leave the church you are leading. Say God has led them and open a church down the road. So what are they going to do? So you have to know how to deal with that. Yeah. It looks like you don't like what I'm saying here. What about monopoly? When you come into a place where there are people who are, they, they are the ones, they're the only ones there. That's why you have to find a way to be innovative, you know, and you have to be able to go on. Even when the big players, I don't want to play ball with you. When all the banks wouldn't give us a loan. Every one of them told us we're not going to get a loan. And then we went to an an organization that gave churches loans. And when we got there, they asked me a question of something I'd never heard before. They asked me, have you done a feasibility study? I didn't even know, Kara, what what course is that? (laughs) Which university? They say feasibility study. I said, what's feasibility study? Then, you know, have have they ever said something to you that you have to go home and look into the dictionary to understand what they were saying after the facts? no Lomolo, you had to answer. What do you do when you find that those who have are not supporting, even if genuinely, God, and I've never met any church, most of them, that even if God has genuinely called a person, even if that's really a hunter, you know, also so hunter, of course, nobody must support you. But even if you start at world, well, you go through that time of crisis. Very, very important. Very, very important. In fact, the terminology in the Bible is the question that is asked all the time. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you'll be asked that question all the time. In other words, you are leading in those times of uncertainty. You you, you are leading in a time when you least expect. Leadership, therefore, God calls people from any given background. When God calls you and you're a Gideon and you're struggling with your own issues. You're struggling with the effect of your background, your education, you don't have money, you may not be eloquent. You know, that people, God gives you a job of speaking Mara. You, you know, what are you going to do? Number five, are you on number five with me? What's number one? I want to see how good you are listening. What's the challenge number one? Challenge of authenticity and challenge number two? Value-based leadership. Number three? Being adaptable. Number four? While leading in what? And being prepared for the unexpected. Write it down. It's, it's, one of, it's the same point there. Being prepared for the unexpected. Number five. Being able to manage your emotions and issues... Not only yours, but even of the people that you lead. The secular world has woken up to the term emotional intelligence. And the Bible already, if you look at the traits and the qualifications of leadership in the Bible, be it in the book of Timothy, in the book of Titus, in the book of Exodus, anywhere in the Bible one of the qualifications of people leading, God always put spiritual traits before gifting and anointing. God always put spiritual traits before gifting, before anointing, before ability. Ability, important as it was, anointing and gifting, important as it was, it was to be It was to be founded on a good, solid character. And the world is first waking up to that truth and they call it emotional intelligence. We know that somebody must be developed spiritually and they have to have certain qualities spiritually before you can test them with the task of leading. Why? Because... you have not developed certain spiritual traits leadership will destroy you either you just it destroys you or you destroy the people that you are leading so it becomes important for us to be able to think about that the bible even shows that as people lead at certain levels we need to even have a stricter way of assessing them in short God places character above charisma. And this is important for the world we live in because, you know, if you follow the trend of the world, the world likes to use charisma. You know, you know they, 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 they like to use charisma as a determinant of your effectiveness as a leader. But God doesn't use charisma. I mean, think about John the Baptist. I mean, hey, I mean, how, how would you like to follow a guy like John the Baptist? Why are you going to see him? Who are you going to see? There's a guy who eats wild honey. There's a guy who wears skins. He eats locusts. Charisma, there's nothing there. Mara, people could not stop going to listen to him. There's something about him that goes over and above charisma. And I've often told even leaders, I'm not in any way against advertising, marketing. I'm into that. I'm into that. But generally, advertising and marketing is to try and make something bigger than what it is. That's how the world does it. I mean, they, 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 I mean there's these products that we buy on television. Huh? How about you? Are you dead or what? Are you all right? There are these products that we buy on television. Right? I mean, they, I mean you have this long list of testimonies. People say, ever since I used this product, I moved from this to that. In two weeks' time, and the person comes up and says, I tried so many hundreds of products. After having been disappointed for the last 15 years, I finally found this one. And then the person comes up. You don't even have to work as hard as they say. Only seven minutes per day. You will have six-pack abs. So you go and buy the product. And then it doesn't even come anywhere. You don't even have one pack. Never mind six-pack. Really. You know, and and it's just like that. But that's the way of the world. The way of the world is to exaggerate. The way of the world is to lie. The way of the world is to make itself bigger than what it is. And the question is, are we going to try and be what the world says? But God says, have the character. Develop the fruit of the spirit. Have honesty, integrity, truthfulness. Be prayerful. Live a holy life. You know, read the word. Study the word. Then lead. Even if you are not as eloquent as all that, people will still come and listen to you. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be polished up and we teach you how to speak, how to stand. Eh? It doesn't mean we can't do that. But that is very secondary. What really is important is you being founded on the principles of God's word. Can I, can I, can I hear a good amen? amen? Number six, we're talking about a changing world. The willingness to work in new ways. The willingness to work in new ways. In short, you must be willing to operate outside of your comfort zone. The willingness to work in new ways. Which means this you need to be willing to learn from other disciplines. You have to be willing to expose yourself to how others are doing things so that they can shake you out of your comfort zone. Because, you know, oftentimes when you are not exposed, you really think you are happening. You really think you are the top, you know. So I see it as I travel around, you know, you go to many places and visit places and you see... People who are having whatever they're having, and you can see they really think that they're the cream of the crop. And it's almost like if I'm the definition of whatever you want. You know? But then you realize, Shem that's all they know. That's all they know. This is like the first time we went to Korea, Lema Le- Bishop, it was quite interesting. They're going for a prayer meeting and they hire an Olympic stadium. For a prayer meeting, 150,000 people, and then they tell you, they told most of their people not to come. (laughs) Can you imagine? They only ask people from a certain section of the city to come, they ask the rest of the people, please don't come. 150,000. So, you know, and we have 150 in a classroom, and we think we are the best thing that ever happened. Wait until you go and say, "Ulo hundred and fifty thousand kama tawaha huso neweisha, we bono rwatsa kiba hundred." Runa recounted, recounted the unko le mulo mo lema lemanala gore. It was jam packed two hundred. Recounted le moto lemanala the and everything. Yeah. So you need to be willing to work in new ways. So you learn from other disciplines. You learn to work as teams. You need to know how to harness and le- leverage the wisdom of the collective, you also must have that inner drive to take responsibility for greater goals. So this willingness to work in new ways, if you embrace that in a changing world, you really will be able to move forward. Because I'm telling you, we will forever be challenged with these questions. All the time. We will always be challenged with these questions because that's what happens to leaders. What number are we on? Seven. seven. Number seven. Number seven, we must be able to inspire and empower people. See, if leadership is to be able to survive and move on all the time. I heard one of, one of the great definitions that somebody gave about leadership. He says, leaders work themselves out of tasks all the time. Now, listen to this. There are certain tasks that, you, that you, you should not abandon. There are certain responsibilities that only you as the senior leader can do. But as your ministry grows, your organization grows, as your business grows, there are certain things that you need to outgrow. That's what the apostles said in Acts chapter 6. When they call the multitude of the disciples together... They said it is no reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. When they started, it was fine to serve tables. Are you understanding me? When you are starting, like I tell, I tell the leader, sir, so when you are starting, you must be willing to do everything in, in your company. You, you open the place, you clean the place, you do it, and as you bring people in, you work with them. To show them how it must be done. You supervise them. You make sure they do it at the level that you have taught them. If not at a better level. You don't start delegating from day one. You know? I mean, I've been to places where it's kind of amazing. You find the pastor has all these people who are his armor bearers. Almost half the church. I mean, really. Serious because La said you count the amaberas and combine with people who are the order. This is half the church. It's crazy. I mean, really, you don't even need one amabera. You are just starting. You only have a handful of people. Stop the amabera stuff. Be your own amabera. Somebody to take a or something. Just just leave the other people alone. When you are starting, there are things that are not appropriate. They they are not suitable. You don't need to be. You don't need to be doing that. But you do everything. You clean you everything. And remember, even when you have grown, you don't outgrow the spirit of serving. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Pastor? You never get to a point where you have so delegated that you are no longer involved. Delegation is not abdication. Write that down. Delegation is not abdication. When you've delegated... Somebody said, delegation is doing your work through other people. Mara, it's your work. Delegation is doing your work through other people. So it's still your work. So if it is my work, then it means it must be done at my level. (laughs) If it is my work, then it means when I look at it, it has to satisfy me that it fits my standard. So... Yours is to teach people how to do things at your standard. That's what a leader does. So this is very important. You should be able, therefore, to inspire and empower people. People want to be engaged. They don't just want to be spectators. That's what I found. A real leader finds a way of engaging people. Now, you don't engage them at any cost. Okay? They, 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 they owe it to the organization to comply according to biblical standards. You don't just bring them in even when they don't comply to certain requirements of the Bible. You can't do that. Mara, you need to involve people. People love being part of what you're doing. They love being involved. People love to support something that's working. They love to be part of a vision. God has created us all that we all want to be led. That's what Bill Hybels used to say. He says, you know what? People love to be led. I'm telling you, where there's great leadership, people love to be led. And even when they are led, they are given space, labor, to lead in another area. So it's important for us to be able to empower other people and inspire them, all right? So we need, therefore, to inspire people and empower people in the shaping of the future of where we are going. We must give people an opportunity to contribute. People love working for a greater cause. People love being number two in something that's alive than number one in something that's dead. Now, some of you, that missed you right there. hooks Gone. People don't mind serving tables in something that's alive than being the prince of something that's dead. And people will want to do that. So we've got to inspire people. All right. Got, we know today that even consumers in the market world they want to be shareholders. They don't just want to be consuming. And it's been found out that when people become shareholders, their attitude towards the product is different. If we were to make some of these people bad chisang, dinto ale ichi, ilisio, the shareholder. They wouldn't burn the stuff they're burning because so it would be a different attitude. So it's an important thing. Number eight you need to have self knowledge of your own strengths and weaknesses. All right, you need to have self knowledge of your own strengths and weaknesses. We're talking about the task of a leader in a fast changing world have knowledge of your strengths and your weaknesses. Now, we don't camp on our weaknesses. And when I'm talking about weakness, I'm not even talking about moral weakness. I'm talking about what people would call weaknesses or areas where it's not really your best ability. There are people who are very leadership-oriented. They are very entrepreneurial They don't like managing. You know, they like starting, but they don't like maintaining. So if you don't want to maintain, manage, and administrate what you have started, you may end up not seeing much progress. That's why you find people who have started a lot of things. Mara. After 10 years, there's not even a sign. Yeah, well, they started? Because they are great entrepreneurs, they are great pioneers, but they are weak managers. Right? Because when you lead an organization, there's got to be people who are, who are gifted by God with administrative gifts. And they've got to be able to manage. So you've got to be able to do that. In Romans 12, 4, as we have read, It tells us about the gifts. Now, John Maxwell said, there is nothing as tragic as a non-growing leader. Why? Because a leader must learn to invest in self-development. Now, here's a very interesting thing. I've read a number of very interesting books about strengths and weaknesses. One of the best books I've read is Marcus Buckingham and Jim Collins. It talks about The strengths are on. Here's what has been found out. Please listen carefully. And let me qualify again. When I talk about strength and weakness, I'm not talking about from a moral standpoint. I'm talking about from a gifting standpoint. All right? From a gifting standpoint. There's none of us who's gifted in everything. You can learn to operate in other things, but it might not be your strong point. Are are you understanding what I'm trying to say? And so this is what research is finding. They found out that in the areas of your weakness, no matter how much you learn and study, you can only grow to a certain level. There's a threshold you reach and you can't go beyond that. Simply because that's why God made us different. Right? You can do that thing, but you are not in your sweet spot. Right? I mean, if you're a fish, even if you're a flying fish, you know there's a flying flying fish. Yeah, they're there. But flying fish fly for a short time. So flying is not their strength. Swimming is their strength. Even if they can fly. So if you put them in water, you will see their full potential. If you make them fly, you will wonder what's wrong with them. But they were never meant to fly. It just so happens that they are able to fly. It's one of the abilities they have. But it is not their strength. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say to you? So, it's been found out that you can take that fish to a flying course and teach it the laws of aerodynamics. You can go and buy it extra wings and saw those wings to that fish with the most recent of material, carbonite or whatever you want to call it, and truly invest a lot in making sure you give it a state-of-the-art wings. When you let that fish fly, it will still perform at that low level in spite of your investment. And this is where the problem is with people when they are misplaced in their gifts. No matter how much time you spend trying to hone that area, you'll, still, you'll come back with a certificate. That's all you'll have. Mara, your performance will never match the certificate on the wall. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And yet there are people who haven't even gone for flying lessons for one day. Mara, because they were made to fly and they were born to fly. In fact, when they go to school, they are just going to fine tune what they already have. And this is why, uh, uh, the whole day I was listening to the teaching on apostles and prophets, you know. And this is why when you don't operate in your gifting as a leader, it's such a problem. It's a big problem when you try to operate in an office in which you are not called. Now, you can operate briefly, but that's not your strength. And if you look at people's ministries, and I'm sharing this for you who are in the ministry to help you. Or if you look at businesses, you'll find that every business has got its forte. All restaurants have what they call a signature meal. Guru, when it comes to that meal, there's no other restaurant that can cook that meal like that restaurant. And what people have not learned, Guru, what is your signature meal? What is that thing that God has so graced you with? God has so blessed you with that when you do it and when you operate in it, you are second to none. Just like a fish in water, it's like you are in your natural habitat. It's like you, are, you, are, you were just born in water. You just know how to do all the maneuvers in water. When others drown, why are they drowning? Why are you not drowning? Because they are struggling to keep afloat. Marawena, you are afloat without effort. Because you are in your area of gifting. I see you in your area of gifting. What do you say? Hallelujah. I see you in your area of ability and power. Why don't we pray in the Holy Ghost for a while? Right where you are. Just take time to pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.